Welcome to the Vine Church. We look forward to experiencing community with you. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. You're a good-looking crew today. How you doing? Good. Hey, my name is Jenica. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so delighted to get to share with you this morning. I think that God has a really timely and important message for us. We are wrapping up a series on what it means to have a Jesus-first life, and today we're going to be talking about the battleground of the mind and what it looks like to experience the attacks of the enemy, the ways that he tries to uh, come against us in the battle in our mind, and the ways that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to fight back and experience victory in that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right in, okay? So Jesus... We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've already been doing during our time of worship, and we invite you to continue to move, to breathe life, to bring change, to bring freedom in this space. Would your words resonate here today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was about five, six years old, I had this wonderful period in my life where I had my best friend named Ashley Helmer lived only six houses down the street from me. And when you are growing up before the days of the internet and you live out in rural Cromwell, Indiana, having your best friend live really close to you is a pretty big deal. (laughs) So I found a picture. I was trying really hard to find a picture of the two of us together, but for some reason, the only picture I could find is a picture of me holding a picture of her, but (laughs) I don't know. Um, But she was doing the splits in this picture, and that is a pretty cool attribute to have in a best friend. Um, So that makes sense. But I did want to address the bigger elephant in the room. Yes, I do think that Taylor Swift found this picture, and I do think that she ripped off my hairstyle, and it is kind of rude. Um, But I guess I never put my Facebook profile to private, so that's what you get, you know, you live, you learn. So anyways, that's not the point. The point is, my friend lived six houses down the street from me, and one blessed day, my mom said yes to what I'm sure was a very regular request of allowing me to stay at Ashley's house to play all the way until bedtime. Not dinner time, bedtime. This meant, I know, hours more of playing. And I still remember the things we did, the ways we jumped on the couches and sang in our band. It was amazing. But I also remember the walk home to this day. I can picture it vividly because what I did not account for in the daytime is that by staying till all the way till bedtime, I would be walking home in the dark. And let me tell you, that stretch between my house and hers never felt so long because I struggle with what is called fear of bad guys. Some of you women, you know, you know, 
you guys, you're really lucky. You probably don't know what I'm talking about, but this is a real thing, okay? And so I remember <clears throat> I stepped out of her house, have this horrible epiphany, and so I step into the middle of the road, because that's like, you know, most clearance, you can see everything, and thankfully we had lights shining on the road, and I remember I'm just like, be cool, just walk, it's okay. There's no one behind you. There is no one behind you. And so I start walking, and then I keep like, you know, you do that, like, you're going to catch them, you know, by looking real fast. And so I start doing that. And then just something kind of took over my body. And before I know it, it is an all out sprint for my life until I reach the front door. Thankfully, I want you to know I made it. I'm here. I'm alive. Congratulations to me. But, <laughs> but what, what was happening is this thing called fear popped up in a moment out of nowhere, and it has accounted, honestly, for most of the running that has happened in my life up till this point, sadly. But even though on the outside, nothing was wrong, Nothing was the matter. No one was chasing me. The battle of fear in my mind became so big and so powerful that it began to affect my reality. Here's what I want you to know. Our minds are battlefields where unseen forces wage a very real war impacting our lives profoundly. The enemy of your soul has declared war against you, whether you opted in or not, whether you were aware of it or not. It's very real, and it has a powerful effect on your reality. For you, the battle for you in your mind may not be bad guys chasing you, but it may be what feels like the uncontrollable care about what other people think of you and their approval for you. It might be that immediate jump that happens in your mind when your kid gets sick or when you have like a weird headache where you're all of a sudden on WebMD and you are sure that like death is imminent and it's knocking at the door. It might be anger that flares up in you over the littlest things. And you're like that person. Your family has to walk on eggshells around you and you hate it, but anger has control of you. It might be the shame you feel that causes you to pull away from close relationships and to isolate because you believe that if they saw the real you inside, it would be far too hideous to love. As people of this fallen and broken world, this is our reality. But, and it's a big old but, Jesus created a different path. When he died on the cross for us to set us free from a life of sin, of emotional bondage and destruction, he came to give us hope and a future. And listen, if you have surrendered your life to him, your eternity is secure. But Jesus came not just to secure your eternity with him, 
He came to set us free, to bring freedom in this life, and that includes freedom from the battles in our mind. So we're going to look at some really important passages today that help us kind of unpack this concept and teach us how we can fight back in the battles happening against us. So if you would turn with me to John 10.10, that's in the New Testament. It's in the second half of your Bible. I'll give you a moment to get there. We're going to look at two passages that kind of help us understand that battle and what hope we have through Jesus. So in John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, this is Jesus, have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. What I want you to know is there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God and a kingdom of darkness. And there are two poles on your life, on your mind, happening all the time. The thief came to steal your peace, to destroy your life. And he is not sleeping on the job. And there's God, who his intention for us is to bring us life and life abundant free of all of the things that the enemy is throwing at us to try to steal our purpose, our clarity, our hope, and our peace. So let's kind of hold that scripture in one hand, and then we're also going to turn to 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Some background information on this chapter is uh, this is a book written to a man named Timothy who was a follower of Jesus and he would have been like a younger pastor leading in the early church of Ephesus. And this letter is written to him by a man named Paul who wrote many books in our in the New Testament. And he is an early church planter, a powerful leader for Jesus, and he was like a spiritual uh, father to Timothy. And so he's writing him this letter. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, what he's talking about is, um, do you know how sometimes when people come forward for prayer or they get prayer here, you'll see like somebody put a hand on them while they're praying. So there is something that happens as we lay hands on and we like bless and pray for and commission uh, something to happen in the spiritual realm through that experience. And so that is what happened. He had laid on in com- his hands and commissioned Timothy for important kingdom work. And so now he's writing him and he's saying, man, stir up the gift that God gave you. It's in you. And then in verse seven, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, depending on the translation your Bible is, um, it might read, your Bible might read power and love and self-control or of self-disciplined or of a good mind. And I just want to bring some clarity to this. Um, A sound mind is one of those words that has like a lot of meaning 
kind of packed into it. So what I want us to do is look at the um, more like direct translation of that word in its original language. And how you can read it is this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind, a a mind that is disciplined and has self-control over the thoughts that come against us. That's kind of the bigger sense of the word here. And so it's that we would have a mind that is not controlled by fear or shame or comparison or anxiety, but instead we would have a strong, clear mind that is well-balanced and has discipline over its thoughts which is like a really powerful concept. And in this passage, Paul is both very lovingly and boldly calling him up, asking Timothy to recognize what is at stake here, to deal with the battle of fear that was holding him back and to step into the power and love and the sound mind that he could experience through Jesus. It's as if Paul was saying, Timothy, I need you to recognize that you are in a battle right now that is far beyond what you can see in the natural. The enemy is throwing everything he's got at you, Timothy, and, you, and he's trying to keep you frozen in fear shrinking back from your calling because he does not want you to step into all that God has for you. Because he knows that if he can keep you stuck, he can keep you ineffective. And this is what I believe the Lord would say to us today as well. Church, there is an enemy of your soul that wants to keep you so bound up in your mind because Satan knows that if he wins the battle of your mind, he never has to fight against what you do in the natural. He stopped you at the starting line. It's a big deal, you guys. So what I want to do is spend the rest of our time unpacking four ways that we experience this battle in our mind, where the enemy has waged war. And then we're going to talk about four ways the Holy Spirit empowers us to fight back and to gain victory. And then we're going to see what Jesus tells us, and we're going to do something about it. So as we dive into these four areas, I want you to know that by no means is this exhaustive, but I do think that these things affect many, if not most of us, though there are certainly other areas as well. So the first thing I want to talk about is people-pleasing. The battle with people-pleasing. People-pleasing is a habitual, uh, a habit, that ref I'm sorry, refers to the habitual behavior characterized by a strong desire to please others, to gain their approval, to avoid conflict or disapproval, often at one's own expense, to their own needs, their desires, or their boundaries. Here are a few signs that you might be a people pleaser that I put together for you. 
Sign number one, you cannot say no. You need people to be happy with you in order for you to feel good. You rarely, if ever, delegate, and you would rather eat your own fist than ask for help. You say sorry compulsively. You end every request that you might muster the courage to ask with, but no worries either way, it's totally fine. And if you think someone might be mad at you, you will think about this incessantly for days or weeks or months or years, and you will do whatever you can to try to win back their approval. But you will not, for any reason, actually talk to the person and ask them if they're mad at you because that would be conflict and there is literally nothing worse than conflict. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now, if you know me well at all, you know this list was not hard for me to come up with because um, I'm a people pleaser. All right, it's a thing. And I wanted to start here because I think sometimes us people pleasers can kind of wear this trait as like a badge of honor. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so nice. <laughs> Excuse me <laughs> for caring. Uh, and I think especially as Christians, like it's easy to justify this because we can call it loving and serving, which it like is. But here's the truth. When our motivation is rooted in the approval of others, then that is our master, not Jesus. People pleasers are usually overworked and overstressed because we are often overcommitted. And so instead, we run around like chickens with our heads cut off, often creating chaos in our own homes and in the lives of the people that love us and put up with us because of our inability to say no at risk of disappointing someone else. Here's a tough scripture that I want us to consider from Galatians 1.10. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Woohoo, tough words, Rudy. Paul here is positioning people-pleasing as being in opposition to serving God. If we commit ourselves to serving God, then we ought to be serious about understanding that approval addiction is a tactic of the enemy and a battle for your mind. But through Jesus, you are not powerless against people-pleasing. I am not powerless against people-pleasing. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fight back. So good news is a coming. The second area I want to talk about is cynicism. The battle with cynicism. Cynicism is a negative worldview characterized by pessimism, suspicion, and disillusionment, consistently interpreting events, statements, or actions in a negative or distrustful manner. They tend to see the worst in things, the worst in people, the worst in the possibilities, right? <clears throat> now, many of us 
in, especially like in our current state in life with like our country, with things feeling kind of shaky and definitely divided and recognizing like the media is often trying to manipulate us, it can be a real struggle to not just like kind of embrace cynicism wholeheartedly. And often, the older we get, the more cynicism creeps in and actually begins to feel like a really appropriate response. Like, you're actually the one that has it all figured out. You start to say things like, you know what? I've been to church. I know what happens. It's not for me. They're all the same. You've been burned by love, by a man, by a woman, and you start to say, they're all the same. You've had a close friendship And man, they betrayed you or they failed you when you needed them most. You say, I'm not doing that again. I do not trust people. Maybe those very words have come out of your mouth. And it's important to note that while cynicism can be a natural response to disappointment and disillusionment, It can also become this kind of self-perpetuating cycle that further erodes trust, undermining relationships, and ultimately leading us to isolation every time. Where all of a sudden these walls that we've erected around our heart for protection become this prison for our minds. Now listen, I don't mean that we should not learn from life lessons, that we should not use caution and wisdom, especially in how we engage in certain relationships. But if we do not open ourselves up to the possibility that not every friendship will burn you, not every situation in life will turn out bad, then we cut ourselves off from the abundance that Jesus has for you. It's important for us to remember also that like as Christians, we serve the God of the impossible. It's like pretty central to our faith that when things looked the most utterly hopeless and lost and Jesus died on the cross and then he was in a tomb for three days, he then rose again. And he is still resurrecting dead situations in our life to this day. Last week, we had just like this beautiful time of baptisms and stories. And we got to hear so much of what Jesus is doing in many people's lives. And one man shared uh, in particular that he had been very far from Jesus. And he happened to come one Sunday. He encountered Jesus And he is a different man today. This church is full of stories of where people were one way, God intervened, and now they are different. And so if you struggle with cynicism, what I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit has empowered you to fight back. This is a battleground for your mind, and it is worth pushing back against it. Lastly, I want to talk about anxiety and depression. And I want to kind of couple these together. There's some different attributes, but there's some things that kind of intertwine here. 
So we're going to talk about anxiety first. Anxiety is characterized by excessive worry, panic attacks, a racing heartbeat, shortness of breath, uh, and, and often it's like the alarm bells that are in our body for like good reason when, you know, maybe danger comes or something big is happening to like sound off, they start to sound off about everything. And you're battling suddenly the very things that you love, that you wish to be part of, that you wish to do. It's like your body starts to almost betray you. Younger generations, particularly Gen Z and millennials, are experiencing higher rates of anxiety and depression than previous generations. Anxiety is actually considered a global epidemic now, with increasing rates linked to things like the pandemic that we walked through and the effects of social media on like young developing minds. Depression is persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, or emptiness. It's loss of interest in things that we maybe once enjoyed, difficulty sleeping, or maybe you can't stop sleeping, uh, a persistent lack of energy, feelings of worthlessness, and excessive guilt, and thoughts of suicide. Now, I want to put John 10, 10 back up on the screen, if we could, really quickly, because I want you to see something important here. It says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You see, Jesus gave us the enemy's playbook against you in this area. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you put back some of the characteristics of depression or anxiety, you will see how his tactics are literally interwoven through the symptoms of this. He wants to steal the breath from your lungs, the hope from your heart. The enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. And this is a huge deal, you guys. And so it's important that we recognize that while this may be common in our world, these things are not normal. This is not how life was intended to be for you. And the thing is, if we think it's normal, we won't fight back. If we don't believe that there is better for us, we will just accept this as our lot in life. And while there is no simple, like one size fits all solution for honestly any of the things we're talking about today, there absolutely is hope. And there are many ways we can fight back with the help of the Holy Spirit to experience a sound mind. Now, something you may not know about me is that depression is part of my story, too. Depression for me, I've, I've walked through a few seasons in my life where I've battled it, but particularly over the last few years, it has been a pretty major battle in my life. Travis and I, we had walked through what felt like two solid years of like gut punches and personal heartbreaks. And like, I'm naturally somebody that's like, 
it's going to be all right. Things are going to turn around. We just got to pivot, you know? And then, like, you pivot and you pivot and you pivot and you pivot one too many times. And, ooh, you just cannot pivot anymore. <laughs> and I felt like I hit a wall internally where I just could not pep talk myself out of that space. I could not conjure joy or hope or, like, the belief that it would be different. And I was really stuck and as Travis likes to say, uh, if Jenica is not happy and hopeful, we have a problem. <laughs> and so we had a problem. And I remember particularly one day that kind of helped be, become a moment that moved me forward. So we were having lunch with some dear friends of ours, Mark and Denise Pope. He leads the church up in uh, the Vineyard Church up in Mishawaka. And we were having lunch with them. And he asked a very normal and appropriate question. He said, we're talking through some of the battles we were kind of walking through in life and some struggles we were having. And he said, Jenica, how are you doing with this? And I remember thinking, oh, I cannot answer this man. Because if I say anything about how I'm really doing, I will cry all over the place in this restaurant. And I do not want to do that. And so I answered him and I cried and had a breakdown in the restaurant and it was embarrassing. But <laughs> I remember I said something that like, when it came out of my mouth, I said, like, that's what's, that's what's happening. I said, Mark, I feel not well in my soul. It's the only way I know how to say that. And he very lovingly and, you know, super insightfully, maybe he was tipped off by the meltdown I was having in the restaurant. He, like, picked up on the fact and encouraged me really lovingly. Like, Jenica, I think, I think this is maybe something you need to navigate with a counselor. I think this is maybe bigger than just what you should try to navigate on your own. And you guys, listen, I am all for counseling. I believe in it wholeheartedly. This like stupid, weird thing happens to our brains sometimes where we know the right thing to do, but we're like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep trying this thing that isn't working for a little longer. Like maybe it'll kind of shift on its own, right? <laughs> and so that was the nudge that I needed. And I'm super grateful because that, that led to a season, a long season of digging into what was going on inside my mind, helping me understand the battle that I was in and how to fight. And I remember my counselor saying, I'm going to say a few things she said, so uh, I should probably make you all pay her because she had really great counsel, but I paid her, so you're welcome. You get a free, free counseling session today. <laughs> but she said, Jenica, this is the culmination of a lot of things, and it didn't happen overnight, and it is not likely to lift overnight. But if you will keep facing it, if you'll keep doing the things you know that help, that are the right next step, even when they don't feel like they're working, if you keep coming to Jesus and asking him to fight for you and contending for your mental health, you will see breakthrough. For me, that word contend stuck out for that whole season. And I believe that's the word for today as well. To contend for your mental health is like this action word that has grit to it. And so my journey meant a lot of things. 
To contend for me looked like processing through the betrayal and disappointments that I felt. To quit watching Rizzoli and Isles every dang night and trying to just mind numb and actually address some of the things I was feeling. Learning what it meant to, in a deeper way, bring those things back to Jesus again and again that were so easy for me to pick back up. It meant giving voice to the doubts that I was having in my relationship with the Lord. Like, God, are you really good? Because this doesn't feel good. And can I just be honest with you? As a person that leads other people in a faith community, that is a really scary question to have hovering in your brain. Do you know that you can come to Jesus with those things? That he can handle that? He actually wants to talk to you about those things. She also gave me some really simple strategies to push back against just that heaviness that I felt all the time. And then for me, another part of contending was getting medical help in that season. And I want to speak specifically to that because I think, especially within the Christian community, there can be a lot of shame when it comes to anything with like medicine for anxiety or depression. And so I was kind of battling that too, but I was, I was sort of in this double whammy where I had had Judah several months before, and so my hormones were doing this thing, I think the technical term is they were wackadoo, and, <laughs> and then I was like also experiencing this external, um, you know, conflict and difficulty, and it was, I was like kind of sinking in it. And so I remember talking to her about it, and she gave me this wonderful analogy, and I think it might be helpful to you as well. She said, listen, Jenica, if you're experiencing like a debilitating headache, you would probably take some headache medicine and not feel badly about it. And what that headache medicine does is it does not get to the root cause of why you, got, you have a headache but it will take the edge off so you can be functional. And in a similar way, you are experiencing like a suppressed level of emotional state. Your thoughts are suppressed, your, your ideas are suppressed, your mood is suppressed, and it's pretty intense. And so what medicine can do is kind of take that edge off, but it's very important that you keep doing the work to address why you are experiencing the depression or the anxiety, or what will happen is you will not be able to get off the medicine ever. You'll just have to return to it again and again because you won't have dealt with the root issue. That was super helpful for me to understand. And thankfully, in my story, because I was able to get the help that I needed in that season, I was able to get off medicine last year. And I have been able to see that God truly has healed me. I am experiencing victory in an area where I was feeling defeated. And I believe that Jesus wants to do that for you as well. So listen, if you're someone who wrestles 
with depression or anxiety, I want to acknowledge that your story might be different than mine. And I know that sometimes there are things like chemical imbalances and hormone imbalances and all sorts of complexities that make your battle unique. And it is good to understand so that we can address those things on all fronts. It's also really nice that I have this like beautiful music in the background. Are you all hearing that peaceful lullaby? So peaceful. All right. Um, But listen, I want you to address these things on all fronts. So you need to know about it. You need to understand it. But you should not minimize the fact that there is a battle going on against you. The enemy of darkness is fighting against you and he will throw whatever he can at you to keep you feeling powerless and defeated and ineffective because the enemy knows what is at stake when you walk in freedom and in power in Jesus. So what I want to do is spend our last minutes together on how we fight back through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what this looks like. I felt like the Lord kind of gave me a picture of four areas. The first thing we do to fight back is we need to know there is a battle. It's what we've been talking about today. But listen, make no mistake, there is a battle waged against you. You have an enemy named Satan, and he hates you, and he is in the fight. So my question is, are you? Are you in the fight? Or are you trying to just maintain being blissfully unaware? Are you head down getting kicked around like Satan's plaything? Thanks, Jordan. If it was like a little more up-tempo, I think it would like really jazz me up, but man, it was just kind of contrasting it. (laughs) The second thing I think we need to know is we need to understand the battle. Scripture tells us that the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. These are his tactics. But here's what I want you to know. The verse doesn't stop there. So there is hope. There's hope for your people-pleasing habit, your cynicism, your depression, your anxiety, or whatever battle you face. Because of Jesus, you are not a powerless pawn in his game. He has come to give you an abundant life. He has come to give you a sound mind filled with power to love and serve him. Third thing we need to do is invite the Holy Spirit to give you your own tactics and strategy. Within each tool or tactic of the enemy, the Holy Spirit enables us to fight back. What would it look like if you started to understand why it is the way you, why it is that you do the things you do, that you think the way that you think, that you believe the things that you believe? And what if you started to put into practice habits that would help you move from being a people pleaser to a confident Jesus pleaser? 
from a cynic to someone who sees possibility, who sees that there is a God that can redeem. From an anxious person to someone who is filled with the peace that passes understanding. From a depressed person to someone who is filled with the hope of Jesus. The strategies for you are going to be different. There are several excellent books on each of the areas that we talked about today. And I would be more than happy to share any of them with you. Maybe that is one step. It's really cheap and inexpensive. Maybe you should consider yourself seeing a counselor. Maybe you should pursue some extended inner healing prayer with some people from our ministry team. Maybe it's time that you open up your struggle to, about your struggle to someone instead of trying to keep it this silent battle inside. Maybe you need to get serious about exercise and about getting out in the sunshine when we have sunshine or taking vitamin D when we don't have sunshine and doing the like practices that don't feel, they feel really hard when you're in that place. The very things we know will help. But the big thing is you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to fight back to show you which strategies are right for you. And then the last thing is to contend. Contend for a more abundant life. Contend for a sound mind available to you through Jesus. Do something. Get in the fight. Quit letting the enemy kick you around because there is freedom for you on the other side. And I need you to believe that. Jesus has come to give you a sound mind. Contend for it. I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come on back up. And as we're going into this last song, what I want you to do is I want to invite you to the front this morning to receive some prayer. If you realize that you are in a battle in your mind and you want to know the Holy Spirit's next steps, his tactics for you to contend, to fight for the healing and the mental health promised to you. We're going to have some members, you guys can come on up, of the prayer team, and they're just going to kind of spread across the stage here. Here's the thing. Contend is an action step. And sometimes our bodies need like a physical step of action to trigger our brains. I'm in. I'm really going to do something. Maybe you have rallied many times in the past and you're like wrestling to rally again, to get back up and fight again. Today, I want to encourage you that by taking that physical step up here, it might be the thing you need to have people pray with you and to say to yourself, like, I'm in this fight. I am taking the steps in front of me. 
And we are gonna believe during this next song as we just enter into worship and we pray, I want you to ask Jesus, what are my next steps? How would you like me to fight back for the freedom that you have promised me? Jesus, I want it. I want it. Maybe you're coming tired and weary and discouraged. Maybe you have minimized this area and you've said, like, this is just who I am. It's part of who I am, but you're like feeling that nudge from the Holy Spirit. I mean, I got more for you. I have freedom for you. This is not the abundant life that Jesus has for you. There's more. Today, I want you to choose to contend for that. One other thing is, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I truly believe this is a moment that Jesus is telling you with open arms, come to me, come to me. I have a better way. I have life for you. Surrender today. Surrender your life to him. He came to give you life and life abundant. This is available to you too in the family of Christ. So if this morning, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus or you have not been walking in that and you want to recommit You can come up here for that and we would love to pray for you for that as well. Let today be the day. We're gonna go back into one more worship song and the prayer ministry team gathered early this morning and they prayed for you for this service and what God might specifically want to do in some areas. And so we're gonna have... um, You guys put this up on the screen. There are several areas, specific areas, that the Lord is wanting to work in people's lives. There are some specific things with emotional healing that I find so interesting because we don't talk about what my message is gonna be when they're praying. And so they're hearing multiple things that really line up. And to me, that just is a confirmation. The Lord is wanting to do some healing in our emotions and in our hearts. And then over here on the screen, there are some like specific things as well. um, And some things in our bodies. I got them flipped around, sorry. Some things in our bodies that the Lord is wanting to heal, such as tibia, ankles, fallen arches, lymph node issues. And so either during this song or after the service, if you need prayer for any of these things, then come on up. We want to pray with you. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, for fighting for us. Thank you that you came to redeem us, to set us free, not just for eternity, but for this life as well. And so Jesus, right now, by the power of your spirit, we ask you to come break through what feels impossible. God, would you give us the strength to stand up and fight, but understanding that we are empowered by your spirit to fight back, to fight for the freedom that you came to give us. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, that is it for today's message. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. We'll see you next time.